0: finally find your healthy balance. Welcome to the Healthy Balance Me podcast, a place where you can hear from experts in the health, wellness and fitness fields. Each week I'll catch up with a variety of specialists who will give you practical advice to help you achieve your healthy balanced lifestyle without missing out on actually enjoying it. This fascinating talk with Daniela Cook, functional health coach and founder of Positive Health Space, is absolutely a must listen for anyone whose child has special educational needs, such as dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADHD, or autism. Perfect, good to go. So, hi, everybody. Thank you so much to Daniela for joining me on this call today. This is one I'm really, really excited about and really interested in as well. Um, I have a huge interest in gut health and the impact that that has on other areas of our body, our minds and everything else. Um, And also having a son with dyslexia as well. And the impact that our diet and nutrition has um, on special educational needs is of real interest to me personally as well. So really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for joining us, Daniela. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So, um, I guess the perfect place to start is an introduction about yourself. Tell us about yourself, your business, what you do.
1: So, I'm, well, I'm Daniela and um, I'm a functional health coach uh, with a background in naturopathic nutrition and I have specializations in weed-related disorders and autism. And I'm also the founder of Positive Health Space, which is uh, an online coaching practice where I mostly focus on um, empowering and supporting parents of children with special educational needs, autism, ADHD, um, and other neurodevelopmental issues to help those children thrive. Um, this passion comes from uh, my own story, as it often does. Um, we had um, I have three children, and the youngest one became very ill at the age of 18 months, so one night, out of the blue, she uh, stopped breathing and it was, needless to say, the scariest time of my life. We, um, she was whisked off in an ambulance and uh, admitted into hospital and eventually we were discharged after three days after they got her stable and breathing again. And thankfully, the, the doctors, although they told us that all it was was a virus and that she would be absolutely fine, um, they gave us some steroids to take home with us, and they taught us how to use them and Eventually, I was very, very grateful that they had done that because um she kept getting these episodes again and again and again, and in the end, we were like driving her to hospital in the middle of the night every couple of weeks At one point, we were um even choosing where we lived based on where the nearest hospital was, so it was no fun at all, and it really affected the whole family. By the time she was two, she had her first flare up of rheumatoid arthritis. By the time she was three, she'd been diagnosed with the autoimmune disease. And she really, um, by the time she was three and a half, when she started nursery, she was a shadow of her former self. She was um, gray in color, she didn't have any energy. She struggled to focus, she couldn't balance. She um, she didn't run around. So like if I took her to the playground, she would sit down next to me. She wouldn't play with the other kids, um, which was really, you know, other parents used to say, oh, you're so lucky you don't have to run after her. And actually, you know, I didn't feel lucky. I felt quite frustrated because mm-hmm. I'd had another other two kids and I knew that that wasn't normal at all. She, um, she had to uh, sleep for three hours in the afternoon to recover from the three hours that she spent at nursery. And she had developed this chronic cough. She sounded like a chain smoker. And generally speaking, she just caught everything that went round. If it was a cold or um, a cough, a fever, whatever it was, she would catch it. And by then, we had seen specialists in five different countries, three different continents. And they agreed that she was on the best possible treatment, that there was nothing else that we could do for her. And as grateful as I was that we were on this best treatment, that actually meant uh, a bedside table full of medication and prescribed medication and steroids, three different steroids, four times a day, just to keep her breathing. Oh. And, and how and old we was still she had, three years old? She was three, yeah, she was three, three and a half. And and that still and we still had to rush her to hospital occasionally. So you know, despite all of that, it still wasn't um, you know she still wasn't well. And to me, that really it wasn't good enough. And I'm not sure what exactly I wanted, but um, I don't think at the time I consciously thought I'm going to you know make her healthy and reverse this disease. I don't think that even was something that I knew was possible but but i wanted her not to be defined by by her illness i wanted her to have the same opportunities as other kids and so i decided that if anyone was going to help her do that it would it would have to be us her family and so i went back to school and i went to study nutrition and that really was the beginning that was 10 years ago and it was the beginning of um, a whole host of other uh, courses and, and studies that i did to get to where i am today but that was the beginning and, and that course of study led me to our first elimination diet, which um, is when basically you eliminate certain common foods from, from a diet just to see what the reaction will be. And it was the one single most life-changing moment and decision that I ever made. And I didn't know why at the time, so, but in, within 10 days, she was a different child. She was balancing on the edge of the sidewalk like she, with her brothers and sisters like she could never do before. She was running around. She was naughty. You know, All of a sudden, I realized what having three kids meant. And she, she didn't meant to have be so naughty. much of... I know, but she didn't have so much as the sniffles, nothing. She was absolutely, completely different child. And that was within 10 days. And within a month, she was off all medication, prescribed and non-prescribed and after six weeks my mum came to visit and I remember her saying what have you done to her you know she's she's just not the same she had color she was just completely different and we we had done that over the summer and so we came back um after the summer and I had put all three of my kids on the same diet because I decided that would be easiest it wasn't really but that was my idea at the time (laughs) and um and actually, my son, who has dyslexia and dysgraphia and sensory issues, was seeing uh, an occupational therapist. So he, um, he resumed his occupational therapy sessions. And after the first session, the teacher came out and she said to me, oh, um, it's amazing how much he's matured over the summer. It's, um, it's so great. He's doing amazing. And I thought, great you know you know he was growing up so that's yeah, great yeah, and then the, the second second lesson he she came out and she said oh you know he's doing really well and she just said what something's changed what have you changed and i was like, i haven't changed anything didn't even think and and third lesson she sat down with me and she said look i thought he'd matured but what i'm seeing is just too much change some you know he can't possibly grow that much um in in that you know in two months what's what's going on and I said to her I said honestly I haven't done anything to him I said the only thing that I've done is my little one is sick and I'm trying this elimination diet to see if it helps and she looked at me I I didn't even tell her what I eliminated and she looked at me and she said he's gluten-free I said yeah he's gluten-free and she said every who comes to see me should be gluten-free, but their parents think it's too much of a hassle. Mm-hmm. And that really was the penny dropped then, because at this point, I don't even know that gluten is the problem for my daughter. At this point, yeah. I've just done one elimination diet and I know that they're all better, but I've got no clue like how, why, what's going on. And so from so then on- is that the only thing you eliminated then when you did the diet? No, gluten, no, no, no. Okay. We eliminated gluten, dairy, soy, yeah. uh, potato. There was a whole list. It was at least 12 things, um, eggs, I think, all the common ones um, yeah. that, you know, that could be causing problems. And that's why I didn't know which one it was that was causing the problem. And it took, actually took me a very long time after that. I mean, I'd love to tell you that that one elimination diet fixed my daughter. It didn't. It took another six years of work to actually get her where she is today, where she's healthy and she has no markers for autoimmune disease. But um, it was uh, it was that first elimination diet that told us there was hope, you know, she could be better. Um, And, and we were on the right track. But at the time, if you think this was 10 years ago, 10 years ago, people thought you can you, you do an elimination diet and then you reintroduce stuff. Nobody yeah. thought that gluten was to stay out. There were very few, few people at the time that were saying this, um, and, and they were like hidden away in places. You, you really had to work hard to find them. And so, after she made that comment, I went home and started, you know, reading books about gluten and trying to figure out what was going on. And eventually, that led me to the fact that. Um, It was also the issue for my daughter, but this idea that so many kids with special educational needs need to be gluten-free sort of stayed with me. So once my daughter was better, I sort of shifted completely into trying to um, focus much more on children with special educational needs. So that's where we are today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really incredible. And like you were saying, the, the difference you m- noticed in your daughter and your son really over quite a short period of time. Yeah. And
1: yeah, even, even my other daughter who wasn't really, um, she was an innocent bystander. The only thing she had, I mean, see, that's the other thing. I didn't think that they were, I had one that used to stop breathing. To me, that was a problem. Mm-hmm. But the fact that my son had special educational needs. Well, I thought that's just the way it is. The fact that he had migraines from the age of seven, I thought that was luck of the draw. You know, he, it was genetic and he just got it. The yeah. fact that he had mouth ulcers all the time. I thought that's normal. Well, all these things disappeared. I mean, obviously the dyslexia doesn't disappear, but it, it, it's more to manage. Um, yeah. And my other daughter, she used to get these mysterious rashes that nobody could tell me what they were due to or where they were coming from. They disappeared. And, all, and she used to be quite confrontational and oppositional. Um, you know, anything to create a fight, she'd be there. And of course, I now realize that that was a behavioral issue. But at the time, it wasn't bad enough. And I had other things to worry about. That <laughs> it didn't really, you know, I just thought she was a difficult child that was the end of that I didn't think of them as problems it was only yeah. once I removed things and my ch- children were different that I realized that actually we had a problem yeah so and I, and I think that's very very common you know people don't realize until they make the change
0: no absolutely I mean it was 100% the same for us you know James my youngest has a gluten and dairy allergy so And that was diagnosed when he was quite young, but again, from us really pushing it and making sure he got to see the right people and to find out what the cause of his autoimmune disease actually was. Um, And then once we changed his diet, we changed Harry's diet as well. And that's had an effect, I think, on his concentration you know the other sort of illnesses that he would get from time to time they're both much healthier children because of it and their attention span is better for it they sleep really well and I think a lot of people you sort of start with the ones that are causing the like the biggest problem I guess like you say the one that's not breathing or the one who has really bad stomach issues you don't necessarily think of the effect that it could have on these sort of the special educational needs side as well.
1: Yeah, and actually, um, since we've done this, so since that very first elimination diet, my ch- my, the girls, I don't think my son has, but the girls have been on antibiotics once
0: mm.
1: in the last 10 years. Yeah. So they haven't even been that sick that would require, uh, so it's, it's had an amazing effect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And mine are exactly the same, you know. But James was younger and he was suffering with this autoimmune disease, regularly on antibiotics with stomach issues and um, various different things. And they were putting him on um, what's the, the medication for constipation relief and all these different the things. laxatives, the, the laxatives, basically. And changing his diet has had a huge impact on all of those things as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so now you're working with people whose children have special educational needs and looking at it from a diet perspective?
1: Yeah, so we look at it from a, a lifestyle perspective. And it's so the most, the majority of people I see through my practice are. Um, either children who um, are diagnosed with a uh, special educational need, um, be it dyslexia, dyspraxia, uh, dyscalculia, autism, ADHD, you name it as hundreds, um, or sometimes they're not diagnosed, but the school is pushing for a diagnosis and mm-hmm the parents like, especially when it's ADHD, the parents know that going down that route means ending up with medication and either they're not ready or they're not convinced or they're not sure that it's the right thing to do. And so um, I see those. And I also see people who have um, food allergies that they don't know how to deal with. um, And people who really are at the end of the line, they've seen like different uh, practitioners, and I had one uh, family recently where, you know, the child is displaying signs of autism, but the, the doctor is convinced that it's not autism. It's just terrible twos. Um, and the mum is an occupational therapist, so she would, you know, know the difference. Yes. Um, and yeah, so this these are sort of different, different type different. of uh, people that I tend to see, but usually the story tends to be um, the same and it, it's generally, they come and they're like, we're doing everything and it's not working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you investigate a little bit what the everything is, sometimes it includes lifestyle changes um, because they've, they're desperate and they've read somewhere that, they, you know, that that might help in the same way that that's how I started with yeah. my own daughter. <laughs> I was desperate and I started reading and I thought nutrition would help. But the majority of the time when these kids get um, diagnosed, both the school and the healthcare establishments, they offer them information about all the therapies that are available to the children, Mm -hmm. which are great and they're important and they're helpful and they're necessary, but not a single one of them usually mentions food or lifestyle changes Mm. or what might be able to help this child and and whilst uh, whilst not every eats junk food like dr sears famously said you put junk food in a child's brain and you get junk behavior junk mood and junk learning and it's as simple as that so it's it does have an impact it has a big impact and it does need to be talked about so a lot of the times these kids are having the best therapies, they're having supports, teachers in class, but they're not having the basic foundational um, pieces addressed. So then nobody is looking at how their body is actually functioning, you know, how mm. is their brain working? Is it, does it need help? Does it need support? How, what's going on in the gut? So think about yourself, if you had a pounding headache every day, and I'm asking you to do additional therapy every afternoon, Will you learn that much? <laughs> no. 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 If, you have, if you have a really bad tummy ache and I'm asking you to come and do imaginary play with me, it's not going to happen. I mean, it will happen because the children think they don't have a choice and eventually they do it. Some of them become a bit oppositional, but generally speaking, mm. they're not making yourself, the most... When you have a
0: really bad stomach, your whole body feels rough. Your head is fuzzy. You feel foggy and lethargic.
1: Exactly. And, and what normally what I get from parents at this point is, well, but he doesn't feel like that because he's not telling us. Well, you have two problems with that. One, that um, some, especially in the case of autism, a lot of them are nonverbal. And so sometimes they're not able to tell mm-hmm. you. But on the other the, you know, the ones who are able to tell you a lot of them have felt like that for as long as they've been able to remember. And so they can't (laughs) tell you because to them that's normal. And a case in point, I have a friend whose child had a a serious dairy intolerance and he had serious issues as a child um, dealing with anxiety, like severe anxiety. Psychologists involved, psychiatrists a lot. It was really, really uh, complicated. And eventually in his teens, they discovered through a whole other, I can't remember how it came about, but basically they discovered that he had a dairy intolerance.
0: Wow.
1: So now he's like 14 years old and suddenly they've removed the dairy. And he told his mum, I didn't know that I could feel like this. So they don't know. Yeah. They can't tell us because they don't know. It's up to us as parents. To investigate other ways of of helping them, or at least making sure that the basics are in place. Mm-hmm. and And usually that means um, you know making sure that the the toxins around them are you know manageable the toxins are everywhere. we can't we can't really uh, do anything about that. but um, yeah, managing toxin toxic levels around them, managing their diet. Um, investigating things that you know maybe sometimes we have a gut feel that something could mm-hmm. be different but we don't do anything about it because the general idea and and the general understanding around us is that it's fine yeah, if you absolutely. if you go into any classroom today headaches allergies um constipation that's all normal yeah yeah you, you
0: know, know, isn't that you know I remember taking James to the doctor, we took him to countless different doctors and he had this really extended stomach and we were just told it's perfectly normal, he's just got a bit of irritable bowel, just a bit of constipation, he just needs this medication. Not one person said to us it's something that's going into him that's causing this problem. Not one person sort of helped us with that and as a parent exactly the same as you, it's that gut feel that something's not right. And I just and, uh, parents kept pushing and pushing and pushing to get those answers, which led me down the same path as you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and if you think about it, I mean, you were lucky in the sense that something was going on in the gut, and yeah. so it was see. obvious. And yeah. I mean, you could see it, and it it makes somewhat sense that something that you're eating and is going into your gut could be upsetting it yeah the problem with um things like special educational needs and brain fog and mood and and behavior is that it's not always that simple to relate it to the gut and so people don't think that there is you know there is that connection and if you think about i don't know if you've ever seen a a list that i'm sure you have but um, if you look at a list of um, symptoms that can come from having increased intestinal permeability or what people call leaky gut, they're all over the place. yeah you know you, you've got the you've got the obvious gut ones, you know the bloating, the diarrhea, the constipation, the gas, the reflux, you know these sort of make sense. but then you have the headaches, you have the rashes, you have the bedwetting. You have the behavioral issues, you have the anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. you have schizophrenia, even. So it, there is so much that there's thyroid in there. Yeah, the you know, I can't tell you.
0: And yeah, Rosacea, I, all of them.
1: <laughs> I see 14 year olds on thyroid medication. At, at what point do you not question why a 14 year old needs mm. to be on thyroid medication? And and
0: as a a nation or as a generation, maybe we're so obsessed with the medication and not looking at that, the cause of the problem, Treating treating the symptom rather than looking at the cause.
1: There is that, but there is also, I think, and that's something that I came up against and it took, you know, it took a while for me to actually be able to break free from that, is that there is this learned helplessness and that we depend on the experts. When actually, we as mums are the experts in our children. There is nobody on this planet that knows them better than we do. And so if your gut tells you that there is something else that you can do, that there is something that you haven't done, then trust that instinct because Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, it's right. You know, you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the instinct that tells you that, you know, it's all doom and gloom but (laughs) most of the time you know and and sometimes it takes a little bit of digging uh, you know if knowing what i know now i could have probably sorted out my daughter in a a year or two but it took me six years because i was learning as i was (laughs) (laughs) implementing So (laughs) (laughs) so in your
0: experience then if we're looking at kind of the range of special educational needs with sort of autism adhd dyslexia dyspraxia is it, um, I'm going to say this, I know the answer, it, it, is it a one size fits all solution to that? Is there a certain thing that you need to take out of the diet?
1: No, it's, it's, see, not only is it not a one size fits all in the same way that it isn't for anything, you know, whether it's a diet to lose weight or whether it's uh, yeah, anything. Um, because the the problems, the, the diagnosis, the diseases, the whatever you want to call them, the conditions that we are faced with today, most of them are not caused by one thing. No. They are caused by lots of different things. And the majority of these things are actually um, lifestyle induced. So mm-hmm. the research shows that Genetics only account for 20% of our state of health, and Mm. the other 80% is accounted for by lifestyle, which is Mm -hmm. actually quite impressive. And it means that we have so much power. You know, who feeds have the ability to decide. Yeah, who decides when your child goes to bed? Who decides how much exercise your child does? That's that's all in our hands. So Mm -hmm. we actually have tremendous power as parents to, to help our kids. Now, granted, you might not know exactly how to go about it, but that's okay that's why you and me exist and um, but but there are so many things that you can do and i and I think you know expecting a pill or a medication to fix everything isn't rarely happens, and it's not that they don't work, and it's not that they're not important and necessary sometimes, so like let's say a child that has severe anxiety or depression, um, which unfortunately happens in children now, maybe there is a need for a medication in the short term just to get them to become more cooperative. But these medications are not meant to be long-term. They haven't even been studied for the long-term. So, you know, they're meant to be stepping stones. And then in the meantime, you can do so many other lifestyle Mm -hmm. things. And actually, I I don't know if you've read the book, um, How Healing Works it's um it's amazing he he's done so much research and he's actually found that medications not just medications as in a pill that you take even uh, a treatment like an operation only accounts for 20% of healing hmm. which to me is like <laughs> yeah. unbelievable you know like we we have a whole healthcare system that relies on this, and yet yeah. it only provides twenty percent and that's our number answer. one
0: solution for most things.
1: <laughs> yeah. and and so we're all getting a twenty percent solution, which mm. is sad really. Yeah. Um, if you think that you know, you, you know our kids can grow up to be so much better if if we sort of um implement these other simple, sometimes they are very simple changes yeah. that that can happen. And, yeah, so as far as special educational needs, I would always look at um, the gut, because there is more and more research coming out about the uh, link between the gut and the brain, the gut brain access, mm. and we always knew that there was uh, the, the brain talks to the gut in the same way as it does with all other organs in the body but recent research shows that actually the gut talks to the brain as well. Not only that, but for every one message that goes down to the gut, there's nine messages that go back up to the brain. So it appears that the gut is the one that does the steering in terms of um, the communication. And also, um, a lot of the neurotransmitters that that the brain uses to communicate, these are the chemicals that the brain uses to communicate, they're actually made in the gut. So if the gut is not working well, you st- it starts to misfire. Even melatonin, which we need for sleep, yes. 95% of it is made in the gut. And so when a lot of children with special educational needs also have sleep issues quite often, mm-hmm. certainly the ones with autism. And, and it's all related to these things that are, might be going on in the gut. And, and also, um, like I said before, looking at toxicity um now that this is also a touchy subject because a lot of the parents that come to me as part of their we're doing everything is we've also you know we've we're careful with what we put on our child's skin we're careful with what we use at home we've removed all the plastics we, you know they have done a lot of work to yeah. actually try and get toxins out of their child's environment which is absolutely brilliant but unfortunately what they don't realize is that toxins can be built inside our body, can be made inside our body by our And so if you have a child who's constipated, well, our bowels are the number one way to get toxins out of the body. If your child is constipated, these toxins are staying inside and they're recirculating and eventually they're getting to the brain. So um, it, it, that will have an impact on how your child is able to process. Once you have constipation, and you're, you're changing the balance of the, the microbiome, the, the bacteria that are living in the gut. Why? Because these, these um, waste products that are sitting in the gut are creating trouble and creating inflammation. And this inflammation is then changing who lives and who dies in the gut. So you, you, where you had the good and the bad bugs sort of level, all of a sudden the bad bugs have all this waste product to feed on and they start going up and up and then they start driving the communication that goes back up to the brain. So the communication is no longer balanced. And so you have, you know, kids that all of a sudden will only want to eat certain foods, usually gluten and dairy and chicken nuggets and and things (laughs) like that. It's because, you know, once, once the bugs are out of balance, you want to eat whatever they want to eat. And it's usually not the fruit and vegetables. (laughs) And so um, over time, that might also cause um, what we talked about before, the uh, leaky gut. And so everything that's in the gut is now seeping out into the bloodstream and eventually getting into the brain. Because although we used to think that the blood-brain barrier was was this, you know, firm wall that nothing got past, we now know that actually it isn't. And it's made of very similar um, cells as the... Um, the gut mucosa and so once that gets broken it's quite likely that whatever is circulating in the blood can affect the blood brain barrier as well and eventually it goes in there so for me looking at the gut is always number one even if your child does not have gut issues and that's really really important my daughter her brain was being destroyed by gluten that she was eating every day i'm italian so there was a lot of gluten in our house um <laughs> but she didn't ever, ever, not once have a tummy ache. Never. No. So it's, it's really, um, and, and same with, with the other one, the one that was um, oppositional and, 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 and defiant. She didn't have tummy aches, she had yeah. rashes.
0: The Showing only, no the obvious. one that
1: came, no, the one that came close was my son who had like the canker sores, the mouth ulcers if you read about it, you will know that it says that it's something related to the gut. That was it. But in terms of gut issues themselves, they didn't have any. He, he was severely constipated as a toddler. That's the only thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and at the time I had absolutely no idea.
0: So. Yeah. I th- it's fascinating how, how the gut health can come out in different ways in different people. And the point about us all being completely different, we all will react differently to those, you know, the, the, the bad gut health and the problems in our gut. And it comes out in different ways in different people. And I think it's yeah. fascinating to hear actually how that can come out in learning disabilities, which a lot of people would never even have considered previously to be related to gut. And that gut-brain axis connection is a very new piece of, you know, new research and new knowledge that's coming out these days.
1: Yeah. And even if you think about even like sensory issues, mm-hmm. if, if your child's body isn't inflamed, everything is like 10 times more sensitive. And so, you know, that will cause the sensory issues, shutdowns and meltdowns that mm-hmm. children get sometimes because it's just too much. And the, the too much is not necessarily coming from the outside it's coming from the inside. Mm-hmm. So that's, we can't see no so that's the other thing when when the things that are happening you can't explain assume that something is going on inside. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's a really good place to start
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and have you had any examples in your clinic of people that you've been able to help with special educational needs obviously you, you, you've talked about your children but are there examples as well
1: Yeah, so before we get into example, there's actually um, research that shows that dietary interventions have improved all markers of ADHD in children that have implemented um, these changes over a six-month period of time. Um, There's science that shows it improves speech and communication, um, behavior, hyperactivity, sensory issues, and of course, gut issues, because Mm -hmm. when we improve what we eat, we're automatically improving the health of the gut. And also, another thing is um, in children that had um, drug resistant epilepsy, so where drugs were not, being, were not able to um, reduce or resolve their epilepsy, 50% of the children in one study had complete resolution by going on a gluten-free diet. And that's not my practice. That's just science research paper is out yeah. there. And, and so, you know, just to frame this, if this is no longer something that, you know, just happened by chance with my kid, um, this this is something that is really affecting a lot of children everywhere. Yeah. So
0: I think it's almost seen um, as still quite a hocus pocus thing almost that you should do. It still thing. is a little bit. It and still is a little bit. Why would you treat the diet? That seems a really strange thing. But there's obviously very clear evidence there that it is incredibly important and it has a huge impact.
1: Yeah, and so I've had, um, let me see, a few that would actually, so I had one uh, six-year-old, he had ADHD, and they came to me because school was pushing for medication, and the mum was just not um, happy with that idea, so she just wanted to see if there's anything that we could do before she went down the medication route and he was we put him on an elimination diet um and within three weeks he had gone up uh two reading levels and he'd read he'd written his first paragraph up until that point he was only able to write like a short three or four word sentence so that was quite impressive and in his case um both gluten and dairy were removed and sugar sugar used to be a big problem for him Um, and it's funny i actually ran into his mum a few days ago he's he's much older now this story is quite old um and and she was saying that you know he's much better able to he's still eliminating certain things and he's much better able to recognize what suits him and what doesn't and so now that he's older he's actually making the choices for himself which is really really good yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. i think i had the other point sorry
0: just for the, the the changes as well you know your gut actually you can change the bacteria in your gut your gut microbiome yeah. really in just a few days that change yeah. would be quite quick
1: yeah and it's not just not only are you changing the the bacteria you're also if you stopped if you stop taking something that is inflaming and upsetting your mm-hmm. gut you the the cells the the cells that make your gut lining they're they're very delicate and your gut lining is only one cell thick so it's very mm-hmm. easy to damage but those cells reproduce really really quickly so even a celiac person if you take gluten away within 2 weeks they feel better yeah it is. because <laughs> because you've because the cells have had time to to re built Mm. in those two weeks it's like when you burn your tongue within two or three days you don't feel it anymore because (laughs) the cells have you know built up again so those have that you burned have died and gone away and the new ones have come up so different parts of the body reproduce at different speeds obviously your bones take much longer Mm. your tongue takes a few days your gut takes a couple of weeks so Mm. it's um it's it's that also that helps so all of a sudden your your gut is rebuilding and it's feeling a little bit stronger. So you removing the stuff is a bit like giving it a holiday. And like uh, we were we were mentioning the other day about people thinking that when you remove a food, you become intolerant to it mm-hmm. and you develop this allergy. Well actually that's not the case. The allergy is probably has always been there. It's just that your body was so tired that it, it if it got fed up telling you that there was a <laughs> yeah. problem. But when when you When you remove the food and your gut has a chance to heal, then when you reintroduce it, it's like you've been on holiday and you've come back, you're full of energy. And so the gut is now telling you, hang on a minute, I really don't like this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's like, you know, if I sit here and keep doing that, at some point I'll get a bruise, it will hurt for a while. But if I keep doing it, I won't feel it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. If you keep putting in a food that is upsetting your immune system at one point, your immune system will say, you know what? I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah, It's still dealing with it inside, but it stops telling, telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, And yeah. I think one of the other points that you made there as well about the, the little boy being, having a gluten and dairy allergy. And that was something that we experienced as well. So I think sometimes you think it might be one or the other, um, and the advice is maybe try removing gluten. So we tried that and it didn't have an effect. Then we tried removing dairy and that didn't have an effect. And it's not until you do a full elimination diet like you were talking about, where you really do it properly, that you really see the full effects. And then you can start figuring out what the cause is.
1: Yeah, and it's like, if you have like three stones in your shoe, if you remove one, it's still gonna hurt. (laughs) it's not going to make a difference you know um and and quite often it's not always so like my my girls can can take dairy they it's just gluten that's an issue for them yeah but so it's not everybody that is both but a lot of a lot of times it is both and um and you just need to figure it out so another one and, and even in this case well actually in this case i don't know if it was both both were eliminated but um so this is a, a teen um, suffered from really, really severe dyslexia, dyscalculia uh, for his whole life. Very, very intelligent. And he really struggled to, to keep up um, just with the physical work. So brain wise, he was there, but like physically doing the work was really tough to the point like he had, um, he had help in, in school. He had help at home after school and still was struggling to finish his work. And what, um, it, it came about because he was now a teen and started reading and was thinking about changing his diet and um, didn't really know what to do, had had looked at paleo and keto and um, had heard that keto was good for the brain and so on. And I just said, you know, before you go into down all these different routes, I said, let's just try just gluten and dairy. Let's just take those out for two, three weeks. Let's just see what happens. Okay. Within 10 days, he didn't need any of his, not at home and not at school. At school, he had minimal support. And and that was incredible. Yeah. But, but he actually had a lot of um not negative feedback but a lot of pressure at home because he was older now so he was like making his own decision that not not to be gluten and dairy free Mm. and as far as because it's difficult but as far as he was concerned you know it was poison for him yeah, and to him, to his brain, it was, and that's the other thing that um, you know. You were saying people remove one thing and and they don't get a result. Also, another thing that happens is people do the food intolerance tests. Yes. And now, number one, these tests are not diagnostic, so you know that they don't mean that you have anything specific. Um, they're not used for diagnosis. But the other thing is they only check one protein of gluten and of dairy. They don't check all of them. There's like 60 proteins of gluten. Most of them we haven't even studied. The one that's been studied most is gliadin, and that's the one that is all over the food intolerance tests. Mm -hmm. But there is, and and these are the blood tests, but there's another test, which is the gluten and dairy peptides, which is a urine test which checks for the caseomorphines and glutomorphines. And these are peptides of gluten and dairy that actually have an opiate, yeah, opiate, oh, sorry. (laughs) They attach to the opiate receptors in the brain. And so they act like morphine and like other drugs. So in those kids, the food intolerance test will say that they're okay with gluten and dairy. But that doesn't mean that it's not putting their brain on drugs,
0: Mm.
1: So imagine permanently, permanently. So imagine if your brain is permanently foggy from the foods that you're eating. Mm. So how, how can you expect, no matter how many therapies you throw at this child, no matter how, how, you know, the best therapist that you pay for, that doesn't work because this child's brain is just completely foggy. The effort Mm -hmm. that this child is making is just unbelievable.
0: Yeah. And like we were talking about before, you know, the effect then on the sleep um, and, you know, they've got a foggy brain and they're maybe struggling and they're hyperactive. They're struggling to get to sleep at night. So then they're not getting enough sleep. So then that knocks into the next day. And all of these things just keep building up together.
1: Yeah. And
0: have a nice yeah, yeah, yeah. effect on each other.
1: Yeah. It becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, then, and, and then you get to the point where they come to you and they're like, well, we don't know what to do anymore yeah and 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 then you have to say well let's look at the gut and there's like really we're not sleeping and you want to
0: (laughs) you want to look at my gut what (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay i think we're gonna have to leave it there um we're running out of time but that was fantastic i really really enjoyed listening you have so much knowledge and so much information it's fascinating listening to you I could listen to you all day. (laughs) Thank you. Um, If anybody has any questions, how do they get in touch with you and find out more about what you do?
1: So you can get in touch with me through my website. It's www.positivehealthspace.com and um i have a few freebies on there there's a free health check that you can do for yourself or your child there's a free ebook on gluten if you want to learn more um, about what it could do and and the effects Um, i've got a, a free checklist to help you add more fruit and color to your child's diet and also a autism ADHD common symptoms check re- reference checklist, which is if you want to try and do things at home by yourself before you see someone, it will sort of give you a guide. And although it's symptoms that are typically typically common for autism and ADHD, they are common to other um, kids mm-hmm. as well. So there is benefit from there. These two you can also the the checklists you can also get through um, Facebook and Instagram. Um, at positive health space and um, for people who are listening to this during the month of june if they have any questions and want to get in touch to find out a bit more um, or to have their question answer if they have like one specific issue that they would like some guidance on then i'm happy to do a 15 minute free chat um, to anyone who uh, who needs it they just have to email me and mention the podcast And as long as it's within June, I'll honor that for you.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed today.
1: You're very welcome.
0: (laughs) Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you did, please take a few minutes to add a star rating and a review. Please also share with your friends who you think may find this useful.
1: Have a fabulous day ahead.